Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Starving Writers Guild podcast. I'm your host, MC. I am very uh, stretched for time, shall we say. So I'm going to go ahead and just jump into our main event. So no manga or comics discussion. I will, however, have to do that next session, hopefully, if I have the time. Mostly because I have a uh, vacation coming up next week. So I may have time to record there. That's why I'm doing this now. And so that's what's going on in my life. So enough of that. Uh, we're going from our top 100 anime, going from 50 to 41, and we're going to start with number 50, which is Keep Your Hands off Aizoken. Aizoken. Gosh, I can never pronounce that right to save my life. <laughs> what a stellar show. Keep Your Hands off Aizoken is a love letter to the writing process, to the drawing and art process of creating not only anime, but media in general. It's such a fun look with very engaging characters of, and into how, you know, the soul of creativity makes these wonderful things out there. And you get to look into the, the minds of our young girls who are learning this trade, trying to set it on their own and give, these, give themselves these impossible tasks that they can't do. Uh, you know, within a reasonable amount of time, but then they just keep pressing on. They're able to do only so much, but it still comes out so great. This is one of those shows that, number one, I wish it had a dub. <laughs> but two, uh, it is well-acted, well-voiced, well-paced, just a beautiful sight to behold. I cannot praise this series enough for what it does. Uh, let's go into our characters real quick. We've got uh, Asakusa, who is our, where our main girl, who sh her shtick is that she just gets lost in her fantasies and she's more of the uh, character in action kind of, you know, animator and all this. We've got <laughs> my personal favorite, Kanamori, she with the perpetual frown, uh, who is the minder of our Cloud Cuckoo Lander uh, duo here, uh, second of which being Mizusaki or Tsubame. Uh, she, as opposed to Asakusa, is more of uh, the technical part of how things are going when it comes to animation. That way, you, know, you can see it, it looks sleeker when she does things, when she animates everything that's going on uh, with whatever projects they're working on. Oh, wait, sorry, I think I flipped them around. Um, whichever one I said, flip that around. It's been so long since I've watched the show, I'm <laughs> forgetting who moves who, um, and what they cared about doing, but the fact that they need each other uh, to do these projects, to uh, you know, get these ideas they have in their heads, well, one's really great at another, one is really good at another, but by coming together, they're able to focus, but they're not able to focus completely without Kanamori, who is our um, uh, producer, the person in charge, basically, to make sure these two morons don't get lost along the way. It's a very fun, very engaging show that, like I had said before, it's just a huge love letter to the art of uh, being creative. Uh, not only just to anime, but in writing in general, to art. It is a gorgeous show, fluid animation throughout. And I'm, I think I've said before, I'm not a person who really engages with animation as well, but like, it got me hooked based on that alone, and then the characters as well. It makes it for a very excellent show. So I highly recommend my number 50, which is Keep Your Hands Off Aizuken. We're going to my number 49, which is JoJo's Bizarre Adventure, Part 5.
Giorno Giovanna is one of those characters uh, for protagonist step. Compared to everyone we had before, I like how Rocky just keeps shifting up. You know who's going to be our MC, how, how they react to the world. And there are some things about Giorno that I really wish were more fleshed out, and that's why it's as low as it is on this list. But I love the way he's got this dream. I mean, have you seen all the memes there? Because, of course, JoJo fans being what they are, just keep spreading him around like wildfire. But this goal of, you know, making the mafia just a little different from the way it's harming people. Like, you can argue it's crime. It's going to do it eventually anyways. But it's kind of a bold step in his direction there. But as far as part five goes, we get a very loving look into Italy. You can definitely tell Rocky visited several times and uh, put in the work to how all the different settings are arranged. You've got your, is it Venice or Venezia scene? <laughs> we see him creating new stands that are way more creative than before and how they use their powers. We have some remote stands that work really well. Uh, Gold Experience, of course, is the most broken stand in history. <laughs> With the power of, oh, you did something? Well, I say you didn't. <laughs> and all that to also talk about King Crimson slash, uh, or Emperor Crimson, whichever one is the actual one. I can't remember. Uh, Crimson King. King. King Crimson, I think, is the actual one. And it's cuckoo powers of uh, there are 10 seconds where it can act, and then it makes it look like you didn't do anything, like, but you did, but you also didn't. <laughs> so you had, there were, you caused something, but there was no effect. It's one of those powers, like, I've looked it over multiple times, and I just don't get it for the most part, but it's so fun. It's uh, the very engaging part of that part. I'm all over the place when discussing this. Uh, I really do love part five, but it is not my favorite part. There are two parts above this uh, that have been finished in anime form, so I'm probably sure you've guessed some of them by now. Uh, as for everything else, though, we've got a great cast of characters here with... Bucciarati and Mista and the uh, <clears throat> the Rancha, Abakio, uh, Trish and Fugo. It's just in our main cast alone. As they're going across to save her from uh, what they think is, you know, the bunch of ass assassins out to get her when they're actually trying to find the boss. Uh, the Diavolo Dopio reveal is a really great scene between the two of them. Some very great stand fights done between him and Metallica and later on with the rest of the uh, Giorno's uh, team there. Bruno is probably the best dad slash mom Rocky has ever made in the whole of uh, JoJo's Bizarre Adventure. It's just it's so well done. Uh, it's a very beautiful, beautifully drawn, beautifully animated show as well. Now, my, my uh, what's the word I'm looking for? My picks? No. Goodness gracious. Uh, the things I don't like as much, we'll just say that. There's a shorter word that is not coming to my head because my early onset Alzheimer's is hitting me pretty hard. <laughs> nitpicks. That's the one. Uh, so, my nitpicks would be, especially for this, that uh, Giorno's relationship to Dio is established from the very beginning of the show yet it is not really commented on, as far as I recall, once beyond after Ko Koichi leaves. And it's very disappointing, because that's a huge part of the JoJo's Bizarre Adventure mythos. 
of how uh, who Dio is and what he does, amongst all these other things. And the fact that he uh, Jono wouldn't be alive without that because he took on multiple women as partners and uh, had them for what he what uh, Dio does. And eventually we see some more in part. Well, uh, spoilers for part six. One, two, three. You'll see more in part six as well when that gets animated. But it's this wonderful thing of Giorno's dream with Bucciarazzi's dream just coming together and we get a good old fan favorite and Polnareff coming back. I was not expecting that, especially after all the tragedies that he had endured. I mean, in part three alone, but now he's come back, he's older and wiser and uh, learned how to use his stand more effectively. Part five is one of the best things Araki has ever made. Highly recommended from me. So we'll move on from there to our number 48, which is Violet Evergarden. What a spectacular show. I watched it on a whim uh, about two or three years ago, uh, just for the heck of it. I mean, I'd seen a little hype around it, but it didn't look like something I would like uh, at the start. So I just said, yeah, sure, I'll just watch it in the background until my eyes started shifting towards the screen more and more and more and before I knew it I'd fallen in love it's such a very sweet series that starts off with a lot of tragedy with we've got Violet who was basically a feral child at one point in time in the midst of this war between these two pseudo-European nations that also has auto male a la your full metal alchemist it's a and her relationship with Gilbert I think that name is right and how she is learning how to be human after all this time of being used and abused and being alone and see this goal her stated goal is like he tells her he loves her but like is it romantic love is it familial love is it is it something else and her journey to understand okay this man said he loved me but i don't know what love is how do i do that is one of the greatest stories told in fiction for her as a character because it takes her a while. And that's okay because it, that is your journey. The end goal is to figure out what love is. But Violet takes the time necessary, especially as someone who is maladjusted to a society, to figure this out, to get things done. It is truly a beautiful story told extremely well. Uh, the light novels have finished from what I understand and I have read a little bit on them. I haven't finished the light novel, so technically it shouldn't be on this list. But, I mean, I just couldn't put it on here. So, there are rules, but the rules are meant to be broken. <laughs> As per usual, that's just who I am. So, consistency, what's that? But as far as Violet goes, like the, the opening is one of the uh, best in the genre. It's a very sweet, uh, toned song as well as you know, just her journey in general, her making friends for the first time, her learning how other people react to one another, how they can show love to one another, and then how she herself can then go and do these things beyond the one person she had contact with, the one person that she had learned so much from, is a very touching uh, and just great moment in the show. And the movie is stellar as well. Would recommend you guys watch that as well. Violet Evergarden is a masterpiece. And I have it so low on the list, I mean, because, well, there are just shows that are better than it above it. I mean, there's no other way around that. But a 
as far as something more recently that's come out, as you'll notice as time goes on, when we get higher on the list, it's going to be mostly older stuff. And older as in I'm saying anything before uh, 2012, so, so a decade past and beyond downward. So Violet Evergarden, definitely well worth all of your time. Go check it out. Next up is my number 47, and talking about old school, uh, which is a shame because it's from the 90s, and that means how old I am now. <laughs> number 47 is Neon Genesis Evangelion. Now, I know this is a complete shock to some of you, how low this is on the list. And let me tell you, that's because there are better mecha shows out there. But I could not place this any lower on the list than it is, or any higher, because of what it means to me as a show. So, you know, I grew up, I think I mentioned when we discussed Gundam Wing, it was my first mecha show. And it really just drew me in. I saw other uh, Gundam series after that, Gurren Lagan and stuff like that. But Neon Genesis Evangelion, I first watched when I was about 15 or 16. And what a time to watch. <laughs> When it's that very formative part of your your childhood, going from adolescence to young adulthood to eventually uh, becoming an adult, and seeing Shinji's journey, like at that age, I didn't appreciate him. I thought he was whiny. I thought he was useless. I hated him. Like, why couldn't Asuka be the main character? Is what I thought. But as I've grown older, and I've watched the show since then as well, I've gained a huge appreciation for Shinji his character, his motivations, and how he was forced to live this life he did not want solely because he wanted to make his dad proud of him so that they could be a family because he hasn't had it for so long. And he wants to protect Rei, he wants to protect, protect Asuka and his friends as well. Like, Shinji gets a bad rap, and I think that's mostly because people watch it at such a young age and say, oh, he's just whiny, he's this, I would never do that. And it just gets turned on his head, the poor guy. However... This series, this show, was one of the biggest and best deconstructions in the mecha genre. Obviously, there have been others way before this, like Zambot 3 is the first one that comes to mind. Uh, and I mentioned earlier in my Mazinger Z uh, segment that you know even some of the tropes it w that would later become deconstructed by other series, it started. But Zambot 3 would be your first example of really deconstructing the mecha genre that I can think of. There's other, others along the way, but... Like, Evangelion is the one that always comes to mind because it's the one people have seen the most. And we get the whole, like, uh, hot-blooded nature kind of ruined stuff with Asuka. We get our, you know, cold, emotionless girl in Rei and how she, like, she can't react to people. We get Shinji, the unwilling pilot who just got into the, the cockpit and doesn't understand what's going on, you know, instead of being an instant expert like most of them would do along the way. And the psychological trauma that comes from all of that. It's one of the worst things that can happen to a young boy. And he's forced to do all of this for the sake of his father, a man who be, left him behind, abandoned him, solely for the sake of finding his wife again and making her, uh, well, we can argue whether it's a new body or if he wants to be part of instrumentality or blah, blah, blah. It gets a little weird near the end. Imagine that for Evangelion. <laughs> Shinji grows so much throughout the show so by the end 
I, like I said, I didn't appreciate it the first time, but watching it through again, the whole congratulations Shinji scene has become a meme for a good reason because of its conflicting uh, uh, misunderstood nature. And it's like a bit of a mind screw in your classic Gainax ending. However, it's this moment of Shinji finally coming to terms with himself, learning to love himself for who he is. He doesn't need to impress anyone. He doesn't need to be better than anyone. He needs to be him. And it's gorgeous just to have this moment with him. So, really want to praise Shinji there. And of course, my favorite, uh, Sundere, Asuka, one of the best characters in all of fiction, also gets a bad rap these days because people are really fighting against the Sundere trope for the wrong reasons. Well, if you want to understand my tastes in women, <laughs> look no further than characters like her, uh, feisty redheads. Imagine that. Uh, I think I've already revealed that several times over on this. But when I was that age, it's just like, wow, that's amazing. However, as you grow older as an adult, you go, okay, what is wrong with this girl? And she suffers from many of the same things as Shinji. And once again, with people, when you get a series as popular as Evangelion, eventually the backlash is going to happen just because people have to hate for no good reason. And they'll butcher characters like her and just say, oh, well, she's nothing but a Sundari who doesn't care about anyone, blah, blah, blah. But Asuka's growth is shown throughout the show in like she's this fully confident person hiding behind a massive mask of insecurity and rage and abandonment issues just like Shinji. And they're a perfect foil for each other in that regard. And like, uh, despite the movies where I would agree with the ending with Mari being the one chosen like I still ship two of them together because I do feel like eventually along the way should they get the psychological help they need which uh, is a plot point in the show that they don't because they need them to be dysfunctional I think they'd be fine together but shipping aside Evangelion is one of the best mecha series ever made it gets a lot of undue hate some of it deserved because it gets a little angsty sometimes for its own good it gets a little uh, what's the word I'm looking for here? It gets a little preachy in its values as well. And of course, you know, Anna's history with depression is already one of those things that's well known. Uh, but seeing his growth as well as a director uh, is one of the inspiring things about this because you see him at such a low point at Evangelion. Then he goes to the movies and you see it more. But now through the end, uh, excuse me, the, the rebirth of Evangelion is the 1.11 and 2.22, blah, blah, blah. Uh, movies you see an immense growth of writing and character and a progress in his own psychological welfare gotta say Neon Genesis Evangelion one of the greatest series ever made next up on our list we have our number 46 which is Digimon Tamers were you expecting this on the list <laughs> probably not this show, I had watched the original Digimon for the first time in college. I had avoided it when I was younger. I was a Pokemon fan only. But at the same time, I knew it existed. I wanted nothing to do with it. So it took until later, like I said, during college to watch it for the first time. It's like, oh, this is a fun show. It's really fun for kids. Nothing too big. But then you get into Tamers. What a shift. You get serious you get drama you get uh some really cool fights between our digimon pals and our enemies here 
I don't remember most of the names. It's been a while since I have watched it. But Digimon Tamer shows that you can target a show, a, a show, a show for children. That's what I combined there. <laughs> a show for children and still bring a very compelling story of, you know, them trying to find a way through the Digi-World as well, dealing with the effects in the real world that are happening as well, and them coming together as a unit to fight off this threat, uh, learning how to be a partner to someone, learning how to love someone that is so different from you is uh, one of the very touching themes of the show. Uh, you have uh, poor uh, Renamon and her partner, I can't remember her name off the top of my head, and how they don't trust people. Then along the way, having learned how to not only gain someone's trust, but learn how to trust them as well. It's such a huge moment of character growth for the both of them after everything they've suffered through. Digimon Tamers, don't just write it off because it's a kid's show. It is a kid's show, but it's a very well-told, compelling story, well worth everyone's time. So that was our number 46. Number 45 is Magical Girl Lyrica Nenoha. I just finished this a couple of months ago. From Nanoha to uh, Vivid and whatever's next, but we're not covering the uh, the Vivid parts because that's where the story goes down. We're talking about Magical Girl, Lyrical Nanoha, and A's. A little bit of Strikers as well. Uh, starts off, we got our little, your typical Magical Girl scenario. We got our Nanoha, she's very cute, little young girl, finds a little ferret, I think, yeah, ferret, and says, oh, I'll give you power if you help me out, and then he does. Turns out he's also a little boy, uh, and all this mess, and she gains her magical powers. We've got our uh, MacGuffins in the, the not grief seeds. That's uh, that's Madoka uh, or Madoka. Gosh, I always screw that one up. <laughs> but the uh, these little gems or what have you, and we get an introduction to our first antagonist, soon to be turned friend, in Fate Testarossa, who is. A very engaging character, very well-rounded overall. And her fight with respect, once again, I guess the theme of the episode is parental abandonment and parental abuse. Uh, her mother, who I was convinced was going to come back in some way again, but I was completely wrong. But just the way that she is tortured, because she is a constructed being, essentially, of a real girl. She's our Pinocchio in that sense. But then learning friendship from Monica, excuse me, <laughs> from Nanoha, a very different series. Goodness gracious. Learning that from Nanoha is one of the greatest bits of her characterization of learning to think for herself, of fighting for herself, of learning to love herself, and to be friends with someone else that she has not uh, ever had the opportunity to is so great. Nanoha is our near typical protag. Like the very beginning is a little more your cliche magical girl series, but it grows beyond that as time goes on. But she's very sweet, very endearing, very loving. She has a really great family that also kind of gets cast aside in favor of other characters later on, so that's a huge shame. But overall, it's a really great show as we go into uh, A's as well. We get some new characters to follow. Um, are they antagonists? Are they friend? Could they be both? Could we find a way to learn from our differences? A's improves upon the formula, and that's when it really becomes Magical Girl Lyrica Gundam. <laughs> and if you look at the designs of 
uh, some of the dresses that they wear, you go, oh, okay, I see the inspiration clearly and what you were going for there, my friend. And it just becomes this wild, crazy, fun battle series uh, that you even little boys would really enjoy if they could get past that whole it's girly. Like, I definitely, I mean, when I was young, I did watch Sailor Moon, but I was still in that, like, I can't admit that I like that at that age. If no one's ever going to know I watched it. No one ever going to know I liked it, which I do. And unfortunately, Sailor Moon is not on our list. I don't know if I mentioned that or not, but it, it's the story at the end that kind of gets wacky. But we're talking about Nanoha and not Madoka, <laughs> which spoilers will be on our list much later. Anyways, Nanoha, its magic system is not the most well-defined in the world, but it's fun. It's engaging uh, just to enjoy the process. Now, as it keeps going on, Strikers, I don't like Strikers that much. That's why I put just Nanoha as our base here, because if I included the others, it'd be lower on the list. It's just, because the new characters, they're fine. They're not the best. Uh, I don't care about them as much as I do, like, you fate and Nanohas. It's okay. Now, uh, Vivid, we get Vivio, who over time is introduced as a daughter for Fate and Nanoha as a kind of co-parent her. Uh, it's okay. I mean, there's really nothing else to say. But lyric, uh, Magical Girl Lyrical, Lyrical Nanoha, great series, one of the best in the genre, highly recommend. That was our number 45. We're going to go to our number 44, which is Speed Grapher. Now, Speed Grapher is a seinen. So you know what that means. Questionable content coming. <laughs> we go with our pro tag, uh, Saiga, as he is helping a young girl named Kagura, who is able, through some abilities that she has, to uh, give powers to certain people based on their sexual desires. Now, that is one of the things about the show that can be very off-putting, uh, because there's some very heavy topics that are discussed, and you're a bit squeamish, like I am on some of those things, like... You may need to step away for a bit or may just avoid it at all. So, like, I, I say these things not because I don't want you – I don't uh, – what's the word I'm looking for here? Not because I don't think you're able to watch it, but because, you know, I want to be sensitive to other people's needs and watch over them. That's what I'm told to do. Uh, you know, as a Christian, I'm told to love others. I'm told to watch out for them uh, like I expect others to watch out for me. So just a whole uh, moment there, the golden rule of – love your neighbor as yourself. So if I would want you to do that for me, I'd want to do that for you. I know there are a lot of people out there who are, like I said, squeamish about such matters. But as far as the series itself is concerned, in this very heavy subject matter of it's linked to um, some sexual violence in different ways, not necessarily, but there are moments of, uh, it's been a while since I've watched it. There are moments of assault, moments of attempted assault. And that gets a little dicey. But... We get to see into the psyches, like, what these powers do when Kagura gives an ability to someone. It reveals a lot about themselves in, the, in that process. And Saiga, as our main protag, is a photographer slash uh, war reporter who uh, likes the explosions, uh, likes the um, to see death. And that's why he did what he did. He just kept going war after war looking to get the greatest, grittiest photo possible. And it's him realizing through this whole process, oh man, I'm screwed up in the head. I need to get out of this. I can't be letting these thoughts keep happening. Especially when he's around, you know, a young ingenue like uh, Kagura, who flips 
the world on its head uh, and his perspective on everything and their journey together to uh, defend her as she learns to stand up for herself, learns how to take care of herself as well and then him learning how to show affection to someone, how not everything that happened in his past is worth remembering now. He needs to move past it. Speed Graffer, really great show. I mean, I don't have too much else to say about it other than the fact that I really did like it. And I think a lot of you out there would like it as well. Like, once again, just a content warning on some of the things there uh, for your own uh, mental health and safety. But other than that, Speed Graffer was our number 44. That brings us to our number 43. And that would be Spice and Wolf. I avoided this series for so long. I wanted nothing to do with it. I thought, uh, oh, this is just that trashy little etchy show I keep hearing people talking about. And, well, that's our first episode. <laughs> uh, because Holo does appear uh, in the nude in the very first episode. She has no nudity taboo is kind of like her, her thing however as time goes on it's very clear that that was probably only done by the author just to get people interested which well done on him because a lot of people did uh, but then after that your fan service moments kind of die out and that's when we get into the nitty gritty talking about your favorite subject in mine economics <laughs> I hate economics. I hate anything to do with numbers. It's awful. Can't stand it. This show made me love economics. Because of our very engaging uh, characters who are particip uh, participating in such matters. Uh, like Lawrence is he's just this guy who's just working. He's just trying to make his own business along the way. Holo is this, uh, in a very uh, Japanese Shinto kind of way, a local goddess or kami of her area that's basically for those who don't know about such matters uh, different regions different areas or towns would have a local deity that they would worship and it'd only be exclu bleh, exclusive to the part that they were in however over time they they have a festival in her honor in the city that she's at but they don't worship her in the same way so she kind of lost some of her powers in the way uh, the the old trope of god needs uh, gods need prayer badly uh, without them they there's no one believing in them, so they don't have, they're not as strong as they once were. So it's kind of a mix of that. And I lost the train of thought. So I'll just go on and uh, focus on Lawrence and his relationship with Holo. As the two of them travel together, you get that very cute, very snarky, uh, and very loving Sundari away from the both of them uh, of how they deal with one another. Like one will snipe at the other, the other will snipe back, but like no one's getting hurt. It's more of a, a one-upsmanship of fun that they're both performing in. And their journey to for Lawrence just to find his way across the continent and help her out with discovering her origins, where she came from, uh, what she wants to do, in all that regard. And we learn about economics. Like I said before, one of my least favorite things, but we get to see how uh, smart the both of them are in very different ways of how you know, more street smart Lawrence can be and how uh, Holo learns more about other people and how they react uh, to certain decisions. And the two of them make for a very great duo and a very loving couple as time moves on in that general direction. 
and they need to be uh, top something uh, couples in anime from how it's very clear like through ups and downs they do love each other and they want what's best for the other even at the cost of themselves and that's a very self-sacrificial love sometimes a little too suicidally but at the end of the day you know that they love each other they're going to look out for each other Spice and Wolf excellent series well worth a watch I think I said it every time <laughs> I mean what else would I say I'm recommending you shows of my top 100 if I didn't like them why are we here <laughs> And that'll bring us to our number 42, which is JoJo's Bizarre Adventure Part 4. And no, that means there's only one of the JoJo's that can be in the top list above this. But we'll focus on Part 4 right now. Josuke, one of the best protagonists we've ever had in JoJo's. A very stellar young man, very caring, very kind, but at the same time, hot-blooded in temperament. Always willing to protect people. Don't joke about his hair. Rohan Kashibe, my favorite character in all of JoJo's. Learned it the hard way. <laughs> and now we introduce to Koichi. Jotaro comes back. And this series does wonders for Jotaro's characterization. I think I mentioned in our first episode on my Top 100 a while back that Part 3 has its ups and downs and one of those is Jotaro is just kind of this generic sometimes uh, Clint Eastwood you know good bad the ugly kind of guy he's awesome and you should love him and not not say Jotaro has no characterization in part three but not enough to be as fun as the other ones in my opinion but this part four gives him more depth we learn more about him more about his scientific endeavors and a very funny scene at the very end like he was researching what we see Araki getting past the stand of the week formula as well in this, which is one of the most, uh, it's one of the greatest parts of this part, is the fact that he's learned, like, I can't just be this generic, you know, it does this. Like, it, I don't really know how to put that into words with part three versus part four stands. It's like he gets more technical with it. He starts thinking more about it. He starts making it more engaging. The designs are better overall. The names are goofier and wonderful. <laughs> uh, so part four, it also introduces one of the best villains who has nothing to do with Dio, like most of them do, in some respects. Well, not most of them. A fair amount of them do. Yoshikage Kira is a terrifying villain. Is a terrifying man who you want to just go, oh my gosh. People like this actually exist out in the world. Obviously not with the stand powers, but these sociopaths, these serial killers, just going out uh, with their different uh, modes of operation, uh, stalking, their, excuse me, stalking their victims, uh, killing them with their various different fetishes, like his is hands. It's very creepy, but he's also a very intelligent villain that does an amazing job. He's almost one in the end. If it weren't for, uh, was it Hayato? Yeah, Hayato, I think is his, the kid's name. He would have won. He killed our protagonist several times over in those loops. But because of the way Another One Bites the Dust worked, he didn't know. But the way that Hayato was able to work things out to get Josuke and Okiyasu, <laughs> good old Okiyasu, uh, to help him out in the midst of all this, stops that from happening, like I said, He's a very engaging villain, but my favorite villain 
<laughs> he's also my favorite character, Rohan Kashibe. Uh, if you want a little insight into my personal life and the way I write and uh, look at stuff creatively, uh, look no further than this insane man. <laughs> uh, I'm not as bad as he can be, but at the end of the day, I'm hyper-focused. I want things done in a certain way. It has to be in a specific time, in a specific place. I want I constantly research things just to make stories better for one line of dialogue or one sentence in a paragraph like describing something. If it's not there, I go crazy, I get angry. And Rohan, much in the same way, is that very, uh, very prickish behavior. Uh, once again, I'm calling myself out as well and how it has to be done this way. He will interact with his fans. He does love them. But at the end of the day, his focus is on the art. I am much better in that regard, not just to make myself look better, but because it's actually true. Uh, it's been very nice with the few fans I do have of my writing to you know, talk with them about the book and discuss things. Always very rewarding. But Rohan, I mean, there's a reason Rocky keeps coming back to him. He's so fun. He's got one of the most broken stands in the series. Yet he doesn't use it to his full potential because it's not interesting as a writer to do that. <laughs> and I know he's claimed he's not an author, author avatar, which I do believe him. But sometimes it's eerily uh, creepy how it seems like he is a Rocky himself, even though obviously it is not at the end of the day. But part four has uh, some of the best stand fights in the series as well. Uh, we get Joseph back again as the senile old man who may be putting on an act. We get Shizuka Joestar, who I have seen some people <laughs> in the way, uh, similar because you get uh, our JoJo's all comes from their nicknames, but uh, Josuke uh, Higashibita, obviously to a, an American audience, does not have a Joe in it, but there's a specific way it can be written with katakana or kanji or something like that that you can get it. The same thing is done with Shizuka, I believe which would make her a JoJo as well. I really wish Araki would come back and make her a protag, but with, uh, let's just say what happens with the end of part six might not be happening. <laughs> so that's it for uh, part four there. So our next uh, on the list will be our number 41, the final one of this night, which is Turn A Gundam. Like I said, we've had a lot of love letters to specific parts of fiction tonight. Turn A Gundam is a love letter to past Gundam series in the best way. Tomino came back in full force here in a very respectful manner. In a way that they didn't have to because this man was very disrespected by Sunrise and the way to handle him. And he, he was a very volatile man himself. He's also in a similar way that Ano has dealt with depression and anger issues most of his life that... Through therapy, you can see which series that he was really getting some good therapy in and some others where he was maybe out of it. Uh, Victory Gundam, which is definitely not in my top 100 for a good reason. But Turn A Gundam is a, I mean, it is a love letter to Gundam as a whole. It's a appreci an appreciation of what Gundam stands for, of the cyclical nature of humanity, of how we may rise above in certain situations, but eventually we're going to come back and do the old things that we do, which is very, um, what's the word I'm looking for here? A pessimistic view, but also a very realistic view of humanity. I mean, you just have to look over history. You don't have to go far. I mean, 
many times has the United States engaged in war? Just that alone. And we've only been alive not even 300 years. And humanity will do it over and over again. How do we treat our fellow, uh, not even the, the opposing side, how do we treat those within our own borders? Awfully, because humans are awful people and in need of a savior, in my uh, humble opinion. But that's for you to decide on your own time. I'm not here to evangelize at the moment. Just speak on certain matters. But turn a Gundam definitely is not about Jesus. <laughs> but what it is about is this really stellar look into humanity's psyche, into our, our will to fight over certain circumstances and rise above but also fail over time. And uh, spoilers for Turn A Gundam, so one, two, three. We learn of the cyclical nature of the Gundam universe is that every single one of them at one point in time came to technological advancement where they made Gundams until they were all wiped out by the Turn A Gundam who then forced, well not wiped out, but it's like uh, demolished by the Turn A Gundam who then rests, humanity reaches the space age once again. So that's where we go from UC to After War Gundam X and G Gundam and so on and so forth. And, you know, Gundam Wing. And once again, the Turn A Gundam has to activate with the Turn X and demolish humanity once again to the Stone Age. And they repeat the same process over and over again. It's so that moment of, will we continue to do this? Can it keep happening? How can we prevent these Gundams from destroying everything again so that we don't have to do this over and over? We can have a way to overcome all this. We can, as humanity, be better than this. Ultimately, I would say it doesn't end as satisfactorily as I would like. Uh, that's one of the reasons why it's as low as it is. But Loron, uh, one of the greatest protags we have in Gundam, he's not... Uh, what's the word I'm looking for here? He's a technical pacifist in a good way in that he will fight, but he doesn't want to, and he'll try to protect as best as possible. Great job there. Um... As far as everyone else is concerned, I'm not remembering names off the top of my head, but it's got a good supporting cast, <laughs> whose names I can't remember. <laughs> but I promise you, they're great. Uh, the Mun uh, Gundam designs, really well drawn, really well animated. We get some nice callbacks to, um, to Gundam Wing and G Gundam and so on and so forth in different areas, different aspects. Excellent show, but I do believe that's all the time I have for tonight. So thank you for sticking with us. Uh, we are the Starving Writers Guild. We are writers helping other writers. You can find us at starvingwritersguild.com. We are MC Ashley, Barbara Page, and John Transylvania. You can find our works on our website as well as on Amazon.com, as well as look for help uh, for your own writing, for editing. We offer those services on our website. So do us a favor. Please leave a five-star review. It does really help us in the ratings there. So until next time, see ya.